Mic check. Good morning, church. Good morning. Guys, this is an exciting week because that's the last time you will ever see that little bumper video before the message. Isn't that incredible? Can we give a round of applause? So if you're relatively new to this church, we have been talking through Revelation since January. Like most, hey, and I take pride in this because as we decided as a church, Ohana, like as the staff, what to talk about next when January rolled around, the, the condition the world was in, we were like, hey, you know what? Most churches, when they talk about Revelation, kind of skip and find the, the spicy chunks. And we talk about the spicy things, but ain't nobody talking about the judgments. Ain't nobody talking about the plagues and, and the, the ongoingness that is the book of Revelation. And so you guys have been patient. You have been enduring. And what I love about it is it's actually been a microcosm of what's happening as des described by Revelation. The way that you've been patient and endured and waited for the series to come to an end is how the world is waiting for the Lord to finish this world and bring it to an end. Amen? So you guys have been living out Revelation while listening to Revelation being preached. <sighs> Isn't that amazing? But for real, this has been an incredible journey for me, for you guys. I hope you've been here and receiving lots. Um, there's so much goodness in the book of Revelation. But today we come to the climactic conclusion. And there's so much richness in here for us. And there's so much that we want to dive into. But before that, I want to show you a picture of my family. Okay, so in if you're new and you don't know my family, I'll introduce you. My name is Pastor Mark. This is my family. I get three kids and a beautiful wife. Uh, that's Megan, Esther, Queen Esther, Jude, the brother of Jesus, and Micah the prophet. That's what we're, that's what we're declaring. But this is, this is my family. And um, what I love about my family is you can, I mean, we're all incredibly beautiful. But other, I'm just kidding. But, but beyond that, What's interesting is there is a reality that when you look at our family, you can say, wow, there is a husband, a wife, there's three kids. We can make observations about our family. Everybody's happy in this picture. They must be a happy family. And there's all sorts of good things going on. So this is my family. These are the people I love. But here's what I want to tell you, a secret, that inside the Stinton family, there is a reality that's very different than what you see in this picture, okay? That... It's not just a family of five people. It's actually a family of seven. Okay, this is not a pregnancy announcement, by the way. This is not at all. Okay, I'm just saying that out loud. But I want to show you. There's two more people in our family. Hoagie and Zamba. Did you know that they exist? No. So Hoagie and Zamba are Micah and Jude's imaginary friends that they've had for a long time. If you spend enough time in our house, you'll, re you'll recognize that there are people continually being brought up in dinner conversation that you're like, who the heck are Hoagie and Zamba? And I don't know where those names came from, but typically they come up in conversation when somebody needs to be blamed for something, which is awesome. It's like, Jude, did you do this? No, Hoagie did that. Oh, it was Hoagie. I see. Okay. And in the family, we talk about Hoagie and Zamba as if they are real people just to kind of entertain their precious imaginations. But if you are not in our family, there's a reality that exists that you will never see and you'll never know. And this is what I want to make the point of, is we're talking about a reality of the kingdom of God, and then unless you're in the family of God, you have no idea, you don't see this from the outside. Isn't that cool? This is, what, this is what Revelation is all about. It's about, do you understand this reality that we live in as Christians, Christ followers? Do you get it? And if you understand it, do you actually see that as reality, or do you keep it as this ethereal thing that's up there, but earth is my reality? What I can see is my reality. So, the difference is, is God is not an imaginary friend, okay? That's not, the, that's not the point. The point is there's different realities. Okay, so what I, uh, 
What I want to get to is talk about this thing. Revelation, if you've missed it, if you haven't been here the whole series, Revelation is a vision from John, from Jesus to John. And John reveals what he has been shown from God to the people, to these churches, so that we may know some things about the spiritual reality we live in. And here's the thing. As Helen Keller once said, the only thing worse than being blind is having sight but no vision. Isn't that true? Someone asked her, Helen, what's, the, what's worse than being blind? So the only thing worse than being blind is having sight but no vision. So the importance of having a vision for the reality you and I live in, having a, re- a vision for God's plans on this earth, having a vision for my destiny and my calling in Christ is of the utmost importance. Amen? There's nothing worse than seeing but having no vision of what's to come and having no vision of what's going on around me. So this is the point that Revelation is trying to bring. It's trying to give us that vision. Do you understand what's happening? Do you understand the context of the world that you are in? So what I've done is I've taken the entire book of Revelation and put it into one Venn diagram. Are you guys ready for this? You're welcome. My, my brain thinks in Venn diagrams, so this is how I work. So here's the book, a synopsis of Revelation. This is where we are at. The kingdom of God is making its way into this divine collision over earth. And earth right now is ruled by the prince of the power of the air. It is ruled by evil and darkness. And Christ conquered that at at the cross. But we're in this reality, this tension, where as the kingdom of God starts slowly eclipsing this earth, as the kingdom becomes more and more real on this earth, evil has nothing to do but get pushed out. And in that tension is where you and I live right now. Where the kingdom is here, but it's not fully here yet. And we have a vision of the full eclipse happening. There's going to be a day when the new Jerusalem comes and takes over this earth. This earth is fully recreated to be the new kingdom of God. Isn't that beautiful? This is an amazing vision. And so what happens is we have these three questions that pop out. Number one, the biggest question of Revelation. When we talk about the kingdom of God, who is this Messiah? Who is God? Who is Jesus? What kind of Christ is he? What kind of king? What kind of ruler is he? And it says throughout the book, he is the alpha and the omega. He is the beginning and the end. He is the lion of Judah. He is the horse-riding king with a sword, not in his hand, but in his mouth. Because the way he defeats evil is through the words, the truth of the gospel, not through violence of the earth. He is the lion and the lamb, the lamb who was slain so that we could inherit the kingdom with him. Over and over, this book describes our king. And if we miss who he is in this book, we might as well not read it, because this is what the book is about. It's a revelation of Jesus. Then there's the, the world. The question that comes out is, what's the spiritual reality of this world we live in? Why do I suffer? Why does injustice happen? Why is evil so rampant? Why is it so easy to see A famous theologian once says, you don't need to know God to know he exists because there's enough evil in this world to tell you that a good God must exist. So there's a truth to this, that we have to live in the truth that evil is around us, it's between us, evil creeps within us, and we all are capable of following the ways of evil things that aren't of Christ, and all of us are on this journey to find the kingdom of God in this balance that we live in. And so the question for us as we read this book is, this last question is, how do we live in this tension? The world is corrupt. It's anti-Christ. It's deceitful. It leads to death. 
And what's great, what I love about this book is it actually front loads this question, the, the books, the churches. Remember the first five weeks? We, you guys are, this is from January. The first five books, the first couple chapters of the, um, sorry, of the book of Revelation talk to the churches. And he gives all these things to the churches. Churches, live like this. Do this. Stop doing this. Because he's telling us how do we live in this tension of a reality of the kingdom of God coming to earth right now and us living in evil but expecting the kingdom. It's a crazy tension that we live in. And if you feel uncomfortable in this tension, guess what? So do I. We're supposed to feel uncomfortable in this tension. It's actually part of the process. And so look at, here's what C.S. Lewis has to say about it. (laughs) C.S. Lewis says this, if you want a religion to make you feel really comfortable, I certainly don't recommend Christianity. Not at all. This is the wrong religion. If you're looking for how to find peace within the world, great. There's ways to do that. But if you're looking for, I want truth, I want the one who is good among the chaos that I'm recognizing around me, I want peace, I want life, I want flourishing, we have to have Christ. That's just how it is. And so Christianity is that religion, but it asks us to live in this tension. Amen? So this is where we're at. And this is what Revelation is talking to us, speaking to us. And this is like, like how we reflect. Yeah, When we read Revelation, it's like, how am I doing in this tension? So So John takes us on this journey, right? So he goes from talking to the churches, and then he goes to a vision of the throne room of God. And angels are worshiping, and the the worship is magnificent, and there's trumpets and angels and, like, loud declarations. It's amazing. And then you get this vision of earth where there's beasts, and there's plagues, and there's death, and there's destruction. And then a couple more chapters later, you're back in the throne room looking at visions here, and then you're looking at visions here. The journey that that John is going on in this book is to recognize these two different realities exist, but focus on the one who is good because he's going to make that reality final. This is where we enter in the last chapter. This is the final reality. There is going to be no more reality of earth coming soon, coming soon to a world new year near you. Amen? So here's where we're at. John, chapter 22. Let's jump right into it. Revelation 22. If you have your Bibles, open up. Verse 7, it says this, look, I am coming soon. And what I love about this book too, just this chapter, there's three different voices speaking. John speaks, Jesus speaks, and an angel speaks. So talk about a confusing book to read. You're like, who's coming soon? Jesus is speaking here. He says, look, I'm coming soon. Blessed are those who what? Obey the words of prophecy written in this book. Blessed are those who obey the words of prophecy written in this book. Key word there is what? Blessed are those who obey. Obedience. We're going to see this over and over in Scripture. Obedience comes up a lot, and we hate this word. We're Americans. We don't do obedience, right? This obedience comes up a lot. Okay. Verse 8. I, John, am the one who heard and saw all of these things. And when I heard and saw them... I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who showed them to me. The angel himself was so glorious when he showed John this vision that he's like, oh my gosh, I better bow down to you. But he said, no, no, don't worship me. I'm a servant of God, just like you and your brothers and the prophets, as well as all who obey what is written in this book. Worship only God. Worship only God. If we worship only God, We stop worshiping the things that are good, that are of God. It makes a vast difference in how we react to this world around us. Moving on. 
Jumping to church to verse 10, it says this. He says, Then he instructed me, do not seal up the prophetic words in this book, for the time is near. And now this is a contrast. If you were familiar with Daniel, the end of the prophecy of Daniel, he says, seal this up until a later time. He's telling him in Revelation, don't seal this up. Why? Because the time is now here. People need to read it. This isn't just for selected eyes. This is for all of the kingdom to hear and to recognize. He instructed me, don't seal this prophetic words in this book. The time is near. Let it loose. Unleash it. Let people read this prophecy and obey it. Then here's the, the tricky part, the part that makes my spirit wrestle and should make your spirit wrestle too. Let the one who is doing harm, he's talking about the ones in this world, the evil that's rampant in this world, let the one who is doing harm continue to do, to do harm. Ugh. Let the one who is vile continue to be vile. Let the one who is righteous continue to live righteously. Let the one who is holy continue to be holy. What is Jesus saying here? Remember when Jesus sent out his disciples and he told them, when you go out, go out in twos. When people invite you in, let them eat in their house. And he gave these kind of rules to this is how you receive people's hospitality. But he said something interesting. He says, if they reject you and reject the gospel, just go to the next house. Don't spend too much time there. Don't waste your energy on people who want nothing to do with God. They're going to do what's evil. Let evil be evil. You go and find what's going to be righteous. So the same kind of attitude here, it's a missional attitude. It's not exclusive. It's God on mission saying that I need this to happen, and I want to give you some wisdom as you go and teach people about me. I need you to not so focus on ruining the evil around us, changing those who seem evil, changing what seems to be corrupt and unjust, I want you to preach the good news, and the Holy Spirit's going to change it, Holy Spirit's going to change it. But let the righteous keep being righteous. Let the holy keep being holy. Here's a quick way to say it. Our witness. This is what's being asked of us. That we are going to win this battle by shining, not whining. Amen? <laughs> this is how we win. We shine. And this is one of the things that the, the church, I grew up in this church, the American church in general does this to us all the time that tell us that our faith is just about you and God? Could it be that the radical obedience we have to the gospel transforms me so much that my faith, my faithfulness, isn't actually for me, it's for others? That people would see God in the way that I react to Him. Amen? That's witness. And so here's the thing is, it's easy to kind of say, as we read this book, be like, oh man, well, my faith's good. I believe in God but I'm still doing this, and I'm still walking out life this way, and I'm still being kind of corrupted by these ideas, or whatever it is. You have to do that reflection. I have to do that reflection. But here's the point. Our calling is to keep being righteous, keep being obedient, keep being holy as Christ has been holy. This is how God's going to change things, because it's not going to be of our might, but it's going to be of His. Our job is simple. We walk out the righteousness He's given us. God changes everything around us. Simple. Amen? So this is how we have to be in these last times. This is what it looks like. So, and it's hard. I see evil out there and I say, we must stop evil. I see vile people and say, vile people must be punished. And God's like, I'm the judge. I don't need your help. It's, a time is going to come, right? He says it right this. Look at verse 12. He says, look, again, I am coming soon. And he said this 2,000 years ago, yeah? So it's really not that soon. I love this that he says I'm coming soon because he doesn't give a time or a date. Remember when, when Israel was in captivity in Babylon? He said, I'm, 
you're going to be here for 70 years. He gave him a deadline. You're going to be out. But there's no deadline here. It's just like, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll be there soon. Like, this is what I tell my wife when I'm running late and I don't want her to be mad at me. Because it's vague enough to tell her, yeah, I am coming, but it's not specific enough to give her an actual time so she can't get mad at me. You know what I mean? Like, this is what's being on. This is the language. Oh, yeah, I'm coming soon. What does soon mean? I must know, Lord. Trust me. It'll be soon. It's like, ah, Lord. Okay. So look, I'm coming soon, bringing my reward with me to repay all the people according to their deeds. Wow. He is the judge. Let evil be evil because I'm going to one come and give them the reward for their deeds. I'm the alpha and the omega. Evil doesn't have a last say. You know, how, you, you know what I mean? When you're the first and the last, Christ is the first and the last, that means evil doesn't get the last laugh. Injustice doesn't get the last say. Christ does. So if he is the first and the last, why meddle in the middle, right? This is what he's asking us. What's the point? I am the final. I am the bookends. Nothing is going to surpass me at the end of things. So if things are wrong, if they're vile, if they're corrupt, fight for the good of your nation, fight for the good of your county, fight for the good of your family. But at the end of the day, let evil be evil. You stick to being righteous. Amen? That's what's being called. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. I get the final word. Then he moves on. Verse 14. He says this. Blessed are those who wash their robes. This is why my wife has been trying to get me to do laundry for years. Because those of you who know how to do laundry will make it into the kingdom of... No, I'm just kidding. That's not what he's saying. It's actually several times in the, the whole book he said this. Blessed are those who wash their robes. What he's talking about. God has given you a robe that is white and it's pure. It stands for in his sight, you are holy and blameless and without blemish. As the bride of Christ, that's all of us together. That God has made us clean and without blemish, it's amazing. What happens is this world dirties our garments. He tells, I think it's the church at Smyrna, I think. He says, don't get your garments dirty. Don't get your robes dirty by the corruption, by corrupting, colluding with the things of this world. The powers of this world, the culture of this world, these things pollute you. They make your robe dirty. And so he's saying this, blessed are those who repent from the dirtiness of their robe and walk into the laundry room and wash their robes and say, Father, I'm back on your team. There's no more meddling with the things of this world. I am fully yours. Amen. They will be permitted to enter through the gates of the city and eat from the fruit of the tree of life. I love this. And Pastor Rick explained how beautiful the city is last week, how magnificent it is that there is not even a sun because Jesus is so vibrant. We don't need a cosmic light anymore. This is wild. The tree of life that existed in Genesis 1 when all things were great before the corruption of sin is coming back. But recognize this time there's no tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It's just the tree of life. It's the only tree in our garden. Amen? This is amazing. So we, we only have good things ahead. Outside the city are the dogs. And if you like dogs, this isn't nice language. This is bad language. Dogs are, it's an insult. It's a, it's a, it's a demeaning term for the sorcerers, the sexually immoral, the murderers, the idol worshipers, and all, this is key, all who love to live a lie. It's not those who are deceived that are under the pretense of a lie. It's those who love living in the lie. And someone said at one time, they said, hell is a, um, I think it was C.L.S. Lewis too, but it, he said that hell is actually a prison with the gate locked from the inside. 
Hell is for those who love to live in the lie, who resist Christ at all things, who say even when Christ says come, they say I don't want to. So there is a resistance here happening, and he's saying for those who are resisting and you're living in this kinds of sin, guess what? You have to stay outside of the city. So there's a blessing for those who are righteous. You're going to live in with me, and there's a warning. If you're living in these ways that are against mine, you're going to live outside the city. And this isn't a literal, like, people are going to be, like, outside the walls, and we're like, "Eh, you didn't make it in. It's not like that. It's more like you are going to be separated from the ongoing presence of God, the beautiful relation that comes with covenant relationship with our Creator. They're missing out on this. So he says this, 16, I, Jesus have sent my angel to you to give a message for the churches. Who is this message for? It's for you and for I. This is an inter-family reality we're talking about. So if we go and preach this on the streets, people are like, what are you talking about? Those Christians, they believe in all sorts of hooky stuff, and there's all sorts of cosmic things going on. This is actually a reality. And what I love is this encounter series that is coming up is going to explore the supernatural reality of what happens when we connect with Jesus that this reality becomes realized in our hearts and in our worlds. It's beautiful. So he says this, this message is for you guys, the family of God, for the churches. I am both the source of David, it's fulfilling an Old Testament prophecy, and heir to his throne. I am the bright morning star, which comes out of numbers. It says out of the line of Jacob, there will be a bright morning star that brings redemption to the generation, to the genealogies, to the generations. So this is Jesus fulfilling prophecy again. Now it gets exciting. This is where I love it. Verse 17, he moves on and says this. The spirit and the bride, right? So the Holy Spirit and the bride of Christ, which is us, say this. Come. Let anyone who hears this say, come. Let anyone who is thirsty do what? Come. Let anyone who desires to drink freely from the water of life. Let them come. This is how we live in the tension. People know the darkness of the world. Our witness shows people a light, a way of living life radically different. And when they say, what are you doing? We say, come, let me show you. Isn't that amazing? What a miraculous thing. And again, sometimes in our processes, we think like, well, no, we first need to say a salvation prayer. And then once you say your salvation prayer, you go get baptized. And once you get baptized, well, now you can become a disciple. Now you can come and and follow Jesus. You know what's crazy? And I I might have shared this before. I love it. There's a a documentary on YouTube about the biggest underground church that's growing right now, and it's in Iran. And these are people in the Muslim world who are so fed up with Sharia law, who are so fed up with government tyranny and the oppression that it brings to their families that the Christians, the underground church, has this beautiful outreach where they say, is this working for you? And they say, no, this is terrible. We hate all this. He says, what if I show you a different way of living that's not so regulated and isn't so legalistic and isn't so religious? I say, sure. And so they walk these people into the way of Christ. They see miracles because of the way of Christ. They see forgiveness happen because of the way of Christ. And they say, why, why do you guys live like this? We say, here's our Savior. His name is Jesus. And from that point on, they've already been so discipled that receiving Jesus is a no-brainer. Does that make sense? We don't have to convert people in order to disciple them. Oftentimes, we disciple them in order so that they may be converted. Isn't that beautiful? So show them the goodness of God. Show them the way forward. That's the disciples. Jesus discipled them 
for years, and it says their minds weren't opened up fully to the scriptures about who Jesus was until they saw the empty tomb. They didn't fully realize who Christ was until they saw that empty tomb. May we be a people who walk in the reality of the things of Christ, and then when that moment comes for people to receive their Savior, we're ready. Because the work, the workers are few, but the harvest is plentiful. Amen? We're all ready for it. The, the harvest is here. So let them say, come, if people are looking for hope, if they're looking for life, if they're looking for flourishing, may we be a church that brings them into that life. Amen? Cool. 18 says this, I solemnly declare to everyone who hears the words of prophecy written in this book, if anyone adds anything to what is written here, God will add that person to the plagues, uh, the plagues described in this book. And if anyone removes any of these words from the book of prophecy, God will remove that person's share in the tree of life and in the holy city that are described in this book. What's the point? Don't misuse this scripture. Don't abuse it. Don't take it and use it for any other agenda other than God's agenda. And histor historically, groups have done this. And so he knew, I think John knew, and the Holy Spirit knew that that was going to happen, that people are going to take this prophecy and use it for an agenda bend it for, a, for things that aren't of God. So he says, be obedient to the prophecy. Don't bend it. Don't be like, well, yeah, this is okay, but, and add to it. Don't take away. Don't read everything but this one passage that makes you uncomfortable. Does that make sense? We can't misuse this scripture. This is really important that we hear the word of prophecy and we obey it. That's the point. And he finishes it by saying this, he who is the faithful witness to all these things, says, yes, again, I'm coming soon. Jesus really wants to, us to know that he's coming soon. Amen? Maranatha, come, Lord. It's time. Come now. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. And the final verse of Revelation says this, may the grace of the Lord Jesus be with God's holy people. Amen? And that's the book. And so here's some things. What does this invite us to? This is the big question. Okay, Pastor Mark, I read the Revelation. What does Revelation actually spur me onto? What does it actually say? Here's the first thing. Number one is to live in radical obedience. This is not a spicy thing. To say, oh, radical obedience? What does that mean? That means that I'm going to follow Christ and what he's taught me to do even when it doesn't make sense, even when it's really hard. Even when the evil of this world is asking me to react in a certain way, I'm going to react how he's asked me to react. This is, what, this is what radical obedience looks like because I trust the process and I trust the one who gives me these commandments. Amen? So may that be forgiving. How do we live right now, Pastor Mark, in a world that's so tense and so dark with government tyranny and overreach right at our cusp? What does it look like? Forgiveness. Forgive others. Do you know that in John's gospel, Jesus gives a very clear commandment, go and forgive sins, and if you forgive their sins, they have been forgiven, and if you've retained it, they've been retained. This is a hard thing to realize. Do you know that you've been given the authority to go out and forgive people, not on your own accord, but on Christ's? Go and forgive as Christ has forgiven you, amen? Is there someone in your family that needs to be, that you need to address forgiveness with? Is there someone that you need to seek forgiveness because you know you've wronged somebody? That's radical obedience. Ignoring forgiveness is really easy. Have you guys noticed that? I can push people away. I can block them on social media. I can do all these things. But actually pursuing forgiveness, oh, that's hard. That's radical. Who does that? My pride doesn't let me do it. But I tell you what, if we're living in radical obedience, there's going to be a big old door for you to do that. Amen? Give generously. Give wildly. Like, 
it says in 1 John, how can you have something in your pocket and look at someone next to you who needs that and not give it to them and say you have the Spirit of God in you? Give generously. Give wildly. Give beyond your expectations. Give to your neighbor. Give to the poor. Give to the church. It's not a time for holding back. This is a time where God is coming soon. What are you holding on for? What are you saving up for? It's a good question. And this isn't just money. This is time and service and love. Are you giving of your affection? Are you giving of words of affirmation when people need them? There's so much that God has put in you to give. Give it generously. Don't feel like you're going to run out. Amen? Because God is the source. Amen? So serve wholeheartedly. Find joy in serving. Find joy in it. Don't make it a burden. I love to serve because it lights me up to see other people blessed because of the Christ that lives in me gets to bless them and increase their faith so that they may go and serve. It's, it's an ongoing thing. Trust without reserve. Trust God. Don't hesitate. Don't, don't doubt him when he's asked you to do something. Don't doubt what's actually, is this actually going to be good for me? If he said it, it's going to work out for your good. That's what the promise is. Remember the goodness of God and deepen your faith. How about keeping healthy in this season? This has been a conviction to me. It's been commanded that we would honor our bodies as living sacrifices, that the Holy Spirit dwells inside of, our, inside of us. And for me, my physical health was a representation of some of the spiritual battles I had going on, the insecurities and the fears made me put on all kind pounds during this, this season, you guys. And I'm in this season where I recognize my physical, taking care of my physical body is one of the biggest ways that I can fight and resist the enemy because he's trying to attack my body. He's trying to attack through, my, through my, my thinking, through my thoughts, and through my heart. And so it's time to be healthy. And I, this is biased because I'm married to one, but maybe it's time to see a therapist. There are things that not everybody next to you can answer in your life. Maybe you have mental health issues and crises going on that you need a professional to help you deal with. And this is what therapists do. This is why I love them, is they're like lie catchers. They stop deceit in its tracks. They listen so actively and they say, why are you believing that? Especially when they're Christ-fearing therapists, I should say. They stop that and they help you to think well and they help you to get well. And so this is, again, this is not a, a plug for it, but it is actually Go see a therapist. Maybe it's time. Get your soul right. You can't live right now in a time that's going on with your soul all bust up. Amen? God's called us to more. And so it's good soul care. Soul care, self-care, body care. All of this falls under. Are you taking care of what God has given you? And he actually says this to the, the churches in Revelation. He says, hold on to what I've given you. If he's given you health, hold on to it. If he's given you vibrancy, hold on to it. If he's given you vigor, hold on to it and zeal. If those things are slipping, we're letting the enemy steal those things from us. But here's the point. Whatever it might look like, radical obedience, keeping the commandments of Christ aren't made, made to make us into good people. They're actually made to make us into godly people. This is the difference. So many times we think of obedience of the rules of Christ that, oh, God wants us to be kind of like just good people. He wants us to be polite and upstanding because God has this very, like, I don't know, polite church, and everybody follows the rules. and just, it's, That's not obedience. Obedience is about transforming the character of you. And so by, you, by changing our outwardly behaviors, we actually increase the way the Holy Spirit can live and work inside of us. So let the Holy Spirit change your character this season. Live in radical obedience. And character produces perseverance, and perseverance produces hope. This is what we're getting at, hope for the season. Does that make sense? 
The world doesn't need more good things. We have a lot of those. We need more God things. We need more godliness in our culture. Amen? So this is where we're at, you guys. This is the real life in this season. Number two is this, radical obedience. Here's what else Revelation points out super clearly. It's time to wait actively and patiently. Wait. Oh. Who likes waiting? Come, Lord. Come now, Lord. I can't stand this, Lord. End this, Lord. Wait. Wait patiently. Perhaps the timing that God has is better than our own. Perhaps his sovereignty is greater than we perceive. And perhaps in the waiting, there's something that God wants to do in our spirit, that he wants us to lean on him fully. He doesn't want easy outs. He doesn't want us to find comfort so quickly we don't have to wait on him. This is the reality that we live in. So wait patiently, wait actively. Active waiting denotes trust in God's sovereignty and his timing. Patience allows you to hear God's voice and deters you to strive and meddle with your own desires. Active waiting puts us on mission. As I wait, Lord, what can I do? Anybody like a busybody and you're trying to kill time? You're like, I got chores to do, right? Every, like, this is my wife. Every time we try to leave the house, she has to do six or seven things before we go. Because she's like, I got 10 minutes. Why aren't we using this productively? It's the same kind of spirit. If Lord is coming soon, what are we doing productively for the kingdom of God to be realized here on earth? How am I being generous? How am I being forgiving and loving? How am I being a bright, shining light in my community? It's a good question. But it's active waiting. We're waiting, but we're active in that waiting. It puts us on mission. It gives us a window to share God's goodness and his righteousness and his justice until his return. The third one is this. Watch. We hear this a lot in Revelation. Watch and stay alert for him. One of the biggest deceits when we read Revelation is we keep an eye on evil and we don't keep an eye on Jesus. So we watch. Is this the Antichrist? Is this the mark of the beast? Is this that? Is this this? Is this that? What's the point? Keep their eyes fixed on Christ. Because evil, the reason evil is depicted on earth through this scripture is not to give us a sign of the things to come. It's to make us realize the reality we already live in. The sign of the things to come is when Christ makes his move and establishes his kingdom on earth for good. We keep our eyes on him. Remember the parable of the bridegroom. The groom is coming back for the wedding. Ten bridesmaids are waiting for him. Five of them have oil in their lamps, ready waiting. Five of them missed out. They forgot it. So when he comes back like a thief in the night so quickly, they come and say, oh, share some of your oil. We don't have any. They said, sorry, we only have enough for ourselves. And the point is this. What are you doing in that waiting? Are you waiting on him? Or are you being distracted by other things around you? Wait on him. Keep your eyes fixed on him. Wait to hear the sounds of those trumpets when they come. Don't fix your eyes on the evil. Don't fix your eyes on who's this, what's that, and because it's gonna, you're contributing to the chaos. The order of God is he's coming soon. Keep your eyes fixed on him and be radically obedient in the, in the moment. Amen? That's the order that Christ has given us. That's how we become order in chaos. Third one, last one is this. Two more. Because Revelation gives us a lot, you guys, but these are the big ones for me. Um, hold tightly to your witness. We talk about this all the time. There, you realize what's happening in the world right now is not a left and right issue. It's deeply involved in politics, and there's spiritual corruption in our political system. But this is actually a kingdom and world issue. Amen? So uh, the more that we kind of make it about a war of ideologies, the more we miss Christ in the process. Hold on to your witness of Christ first. Don't get your garments dirty. 
Because the moment we start siding and swearing allegiance to things other than Christ or trying to blend it with Christ, we're wearing a murky, we're murking the waters, we're wearing a dirty garment, and people don't see Christ in that. And so there's a healthy observance of obeying God alone, Christ alone, Him, the, his swearing allegiance to Him alone. Last one is this. Worship. This is, if you don't get anything else out of Revelation, it's this. Worship wholeheartedly. If you're an introvert, let that, interior, that, that retrospective, introspective process go nuts and worship Him with every ounce of thought and reflection you have. If you're an extrovert, shout and scream and wail because the time is coming. The victory has been won. It is time to celebrate. Amen? This is what we're living in. It's actually celebration time. We're not actually waiting to see what happens to evil. We know what happens to evil. We're waiting for the celebration to be fulfilled. We're like standing outside of the banquet hall and being like, when's this wedding going to start? We're getting all amped up and psyched up because this party is about to begin. And it's going to be awesome. We can already hear the club music like pounding, like as we're waiting in line, right? Like the party's about to happen. And we're standing here in line waiting for it, getting like, yes, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. We don't get caught up with the things of the world and the stress of the world. We get caught up that the kingdom's already on its way. The party's about to happen. Hold on tight. Amen? That's where we're at. So let your worship eclipse your frustrations this season. If you're frustrated, if evil seems too big, remember who's bigger and let your worship declare that. Let your opinions and your fears fall under the worship of your heart. Give everything to God. Let it rest on his shoulders and let him take care of it. This is how we live in the moment. This is how we live in the tension. Amen? Radical obedience. Wait actively. Wait patiently. Watch and stay alert. You watch him. You don't watch what's happening in the world. You don't watch evil on its way, right? You can pay attention to things in the world. I'm just saying you don't focus on evil. Hold tightly to your witness. That's the most important things. Important thing. Remember when Jesus said this? He says, do not judge. And if you judge, it's like throwing pearls to swine. What is he saying? He's saying the moment you become a judge, when I, that's my job is the moment you've taken these beautiful pearls, these things that are treasures that I've given you, your gifts, your talents, the way that you bear my image, the way that you shine a light and people see me in you, as soon as you start judging, it's like you throw those to the pigs. This is where, what the importance of our witness, is we uphold the things of Christ because it really matters to the person next to us. Amen? So hold on to your witness. And us, lastly, worship wholeheartedly. I want to ask you to let your heart worship when it's really hard. Let your heart worship when it doesn't seem like God's worth worshiping. When it seems like the evil of this world has power, sing a song that will remind you that He is fully in control. Amen? Let your worship rule this season. If your worship is not ruling, something else is. If your heart is not crying out for Him, it's going to cry out for something else. This is the world we live in. And so here's what we want to do is we want to worship together through hula because that's what God has called people in Hawaii to do for a long time. Worship your creator through this dance, this beautiful art form. But before that, let's pray together. If you would bow your heads, I just want to say a prayer of closing as we finish Revelation that this might go and bless you. Jesus, we thank you so much for this time. Lord, we are so grateful for your word. Thank you, Jesus, that in this time, this tension we live in where the kingdom is not quite here, but we see it coming. God, may we be a people that is so radically obedient, that is so full of joy and life despite our suffering. May we, God, be a people that build a kingdom not by our power, but yours alone. I pray, Jesus, 
that we would sing worthy is your name, that when you don't seem worthy to us, that when you don't seem strong to us, Father, remind us of your glory. I pray that you encounter us uniquely, seriously, uniquely this season, Lord, where we're, we are each at. Lord, I pray that we would declare how good you are, how gracious you are, how good is Christ alone, the King of all, the Messiah who reigns above all. And Jesus, we just honor you this morning. And say so we, as one church, Ohana here this morning, we pray this in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And all God's people said, amen.